0: Hello, this is Bill McInerney, and for the next hour, I will be reading from the April 5th issue of the Welland Tribune on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. The first article is about red light cameras, and the Title is, Red Light Cameras Coming to an Intersection Near You. Red light camera locations in Niagara have been given a green light. Counselors on Niagara Region's Public Works Committee voted to authorize the use of 10 cameras to improve road safety and reduce red light running. A staff report said, They would likely be operational in September or early October. This is going to address a lot of the traffic concerns that residents have been having, Fort Erie Counselor Tom Encina said before double-checking with staff that the fine for red light running is $325. Camera locations have been selected based on frequency, And severity of collisions, feasibility of installation, and overall distribution of sites across Niagara. The 10 approved sites are Fort Erie Garrison Road at Pettit Road and Daytona Drive, Grimsby, Christie Street, and South Service Road, Lincoln, Ontario Street, at South Service Road. Pelham, West Lincoln, Highway 20, and Victoria Avenue, Niagara Falls, two will be located on Lundy's Lane at Garner Road, Stanley Avenue, and Dunn Street. St. Catharines will have two, St. Paul Street West at 1st Street Louth, and Niagara Street at Parnell Road. Welland will have two on Prince Charles Drive at Lincoln Street, and Niagara Street at Quaker Road. Lincoln Councillor Rob Foster said it's good to see the program move forward. This is kind of the first phase of all this, he said. There are many other intersections that we'll have to look at. Under legislation coming soon, warning signs must be installed 60 days before cameras become operational. The region is also planning a public awareness campaign. An existing contract with the City of Toronto Joint Processing Centre will be used for reviewing camera images and confirming photos show an offence has occurred. All municipalities in the province have joined together to operate the Red Light Camera Program as a whole, said Scott Fraser the Region's Associate Director of Transportation Planning, the City of Toronto has the bulk of red light cameras in the province and leads a joint working group and a joint procurement exercise. The automated enforcement offences in Ontario will be processed through the Provincial Offences Court. While the full Council still must approve the Committee's recommendation The decision drew plenty of questions from councillors, but no opposition. What about individuals who make a rolling stop, Pelham councillor Diana Hewson asked. Fraser said the system works by taking two different images. One at the stop bar shows a vehicle has approached the intersection and completely stopped at a red light. A radar sensor also measures and marks the vehicle's speed that is registered at zero uh, kilometers an hour and actively stops. The second image is captured if the vehicle proceeds when the red light is displayed. Hewson also asked if the camera captures someone advancing through a yellow light because they can't come to a safe stop. If they're proceeding through the yellow light, it will not capture that image, Fraser said. That's a legal movement to proceed through. Public Works Commissioner Bruce Zavinga said the system is designed to ensure it isn't catching drivers who stop a few feet over the stop bar. Committee recommended the camera operates for 26 months initially. The red light camera program is intended to run on a cost recovery basis, but the committee approves an upset limit of $850,000 for the first 26 months if there is a deficit, especially in the first year. After that, any net surplus is to be divided among the lower tier municipalities. Red light cameras are part of Niagara's vision zero strategy which aims to reduce injuries, facilitates and the and the high societal costs excuse me reduce injuries fatalities and the high societal costs of collisions across the region as part of vision zero, council has already approved photo radar. Staff anticipate the Frotal radar program will launch in the third quarter of 2023. The next article is one about uh, helping those in need of clothing. Mobile Closet Helps with Clothing Needs reads the headline. People in Welland needing clothing and potentially experiencing poverty we're welcome to the first of many clothing events to help individuals in need. Start Me Up Niagara's mobile closet will be going across the region on a free clothing shopping tour called Community Is Our Compass. It stopped outside Welland Civic Center on Monday. Events such as the Clothing Affair are a good way to engage with the community and to find out what is most in need while offering a helping hand, said Marla Bestwood, Welland Public Library Outreach Services Coordinator. They're just a great way to offer community support, especially in the downtown core, whenever we can, she said. She said the event was held twice before in Welland and has helped upwards of 100 people each time. It's special because it provides a unique shopping experience for people. It's outdoor shopping, so you can come and browse and shop as if in a store. And everything is either new or gently used and a very warm atmosphere welcoming to everybody, she said. We have street works here. We've had the city of Welland uh, reco- and culture come in the past, we've had a salon come and do free haircuts, and we've had the Niagara Region dental bus, so it grows with inviting other community organizations to come out and join us, Bestward said. The number of people the mobile clinic has risen as its events have helped them not feel stigmatized in needing assistance, said Start Me Up volunteer Emily Fideth. I've been with them since February 2022, and the numbers seem to increase, and in the last few months, we've been seeing some refugees living in Niagara Falls, she said. Fygut said there is an abundance of gently used and new clothing available, including outerwear, footwear, tops, bottoms, and many other items people would need. We come with three rolling racks full of jackets, coats and sweaters, and then in the folded bins is the t-shirts, the jeans, the pants, and the pajamas, she said. We come with those full and we go back with them pretty much empty and we put out a needs list and we restock them for the next event. Flagrith added, what is heartwarming uh, are the people who come because they have nothing left after taking care of their children and sacrificing by getting nothing for themselves. She said events like this help people stretch their money, allowing them to ensure food and essentials are met. I'm not seeing many people experiencing homelessness. I'm seeing a lot with some shelter, but paychecks aren't stretching the way they used to, said Fygus. When milk is six to seven dollars, it's a guess. Uh, I'm not, it's, I guess I'm not getting a shirt. She said the mobile closet also provides access to toiletries such as feminine hygiene products, toothbrushes, and toothpaste and deodorant. I hope people take notice of what is going on and see these beautiful people that come out. They're so thankful when they leave here and so gracious, she said. Fygut said she hopes others will come out to help individuals in need, because it's a great way to give back to the community. The next article is about homelessness. Homelessness not being evicted. Sorry, homeless not being evicted, Juggly says community service boss disputes claims from Diodati about the use of local hotels. Contrary to claims made by Niagara Falls Mayor Jim Diodati during an interview with a right-wing news website, Niagara Region Community Services Commissioner Adrienne Jugley says homeless people placed in hotel rooms are not being evicted to make room for asylum seekers during an interview broadcast on saturday on the true north canada canada website diodati said we've had some of our local niagara homeless call uh, who public health have put up in their local hotels who have been evicted to make room for asylum seekers jugley said this is not the case she says hotels used by the region to provide temporary accommodation to homeless people are not the same as those used by Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship Canada, IRCC, to accommodate the thousands of asylum seekers that have been arriving in Canada during the past nine months. The typical contracts that IRCC is negotiating is for large blocks of room within large facilities, quite often 100 or more rooms at a time that are secured for their release, she said, during Tuesday's public public health and social services committee meeting. Still, Diodati stood by his comments. Our office has in fact been contacted. We've received calls and emails. Maybe not necessarily those who have, have been funded and placed through public health, but they have reached out to us to tell us their circumstance. He said, "It is in fact a concern when residents and consultants reach out to our office to explain that they're the un- that they're the unintended negative outcome of a good idea gone sideways." He said. Jugley said the hotels being used by IRCC would not be the typical ones we'd see people use because of the cost point. However, she said, the housing situation in Niagara is a challenge. And so where some people might choose to live isn't necessarily also always something we're involved in she asked Diodati to reference people calling his office with concerns and said, we can have a look and see what's happening and if we're able to provide some support. St. Catherine's counselor, Laura Ip, said it's not the first time Jugley has addressed similar concerns, adding she told Diodati during a committee meeting in March the claims were not accurate. And yet, nearly a month later, a podcast interview is released that has the counselor indicating that unhoused people are being displaced, Ip said. Ip also criticized the website that broadcasts the interview, calling it misogynistic, anti-choice, transphobic, homophobic, and white nationalist, adding she's not sure why the counselor Diodati would associate himself with that kind of contact. While discussing a report regarding $875,250 in provincial government funding to help the region respond to the influx of social service applications from refugees, Diodati said assisting the 5254 asylum seeker claim. Claimants that have been placed in Niagara Falls so far is difficult for a smaller community like Niagara. Jugley agreed, saying there has been, quote, significant impact, particularly to our office in Niagara Falls. Our overall caseload has certainly grown exponentially, particularly since the beginning of the year, she said. It has meant we've had to defer certain activities and services in order to respond to the intake rule. Diodati is also concerned about the impact the asylum seekers are having on his city's food banks and soup kitchens, and said they are seeing an 85% increase in usage. He asked for an explanation of why they would have to rely on food banks when IRCC provides funding to supply meals. Juggly said, food security programs really try not to present many barriers for people. They just say, if you come and have needs, then we will try to help you, she said. But obviously, when you have 100 people lined up out the door that you weren't expecting, that's not maybe a policy you can support anymore. Jugley said she met with community organizations last week to discuss food and supports provided by IRCC as well as through social assistance programs operated by Niagara Region, advising the organizations that, quote, maybe you need to modify your policy a little bit and reduce your offerings in the areas where they are already receiving it. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Welland Tribune on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Our next article is about a drive-in movie theater. Niagara's drive-in movie theater returns. Now owned by Premier Theaters, Skyway Drive-In officially opens Thursday in Thorold. At long last, Niagara's drive-in is back. Skyway Drive-In Theater, formerly uh, Canview, is reopening on Thursday with the showings of Super Mario Brothers, John Wick, Chapter 4, Plane, and other movies. The drive-in at 1956 Highway 20 East in Thorold, east of Highway 406, closed last summer, and was sold to Premier Theatres. Premier Theatres did a soft opening in October for Halloween. It plans to run a full season this year. Company owner Brian Allen said the new name Skyway was chosen because it has a vintage feel and because of its Niagara connections. All... In brackets, of our theaters use, and of brackets, names that were used back in the 50s in original drive-in theaters that were built back then. And we want to keep the tradition of that, he said. It is also very appropriate for Niagara because everybody's familiar with the name. Premier operates several drive-in theaters in Ontario cities, including Hamilton, Oakville, London, Barrie, and Newmarket. It also operates a theater in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. Alan has a personal connection to Niagara, with his family having owned many theaters in the region over the years. We had a drive-in in Fort Erie called the Mustang back in the 70s and 80s. He said, my family had an indoor theater in Port Colborne, the old Strand Theater. They built that one back in the 40s. So we have a connection to the area. We love all the towns and we're so excited because Niagara, there's a lot of people that come into the area. So there's a lot of tourism and there's a big and growing population base. We're grateful and we're going to try to do the best we can for our customers. Since taking ownership, the concessions have been redone, he said, and there will be an arcade for kids when the weather gets nicer. Alton said there will be new signage and a patio will be installed. So people will be able to take their snacks and instead of going back to the car, they'll be able to go to the patio where every Saturday, Friday night, we're going to have a live band playing, he said. So that's going to be a pretty cool place to unwind and watch a movie and listen to our band and have a good time. For more information, including showtimes and ticket information, you can visit premiertheaters.ca skyway skyway. I'm going to read a couple of letters to the editor from Wednesday, April 15th, issue of the Tribune. Regarding expanded border agreement, quote, incredibly callous and uncaring, says Niagara Advocates, March 26th. One might think after reading comments from Evelie Kovacs, Executive Director of Niagara Folk Arts Multicultural Center, that the border loophole at Roxham Road was the only way refugees could come into Canada. Now that Canada has closed this crossing and made our entire border an official port of entry, she wonders what are desperate refugees going to do. She argues that Canada is no longer a compassionate country. She couldn't be more wrong. Perhaps they can come into Canada as part of the 456,000 immigrants and refugees Canada will bring to this country in 2023 through popular channels. Canadians accept that immigrants, including refugees, are vital to grow our economy, supply our labor force, enrich our culture, and bolster our population. It is also compassionate. However, it must be done properly. What Canada does not need are border loopholes like Wroxham Road being exploited by human traffickers and those looking to abuse our generosity. Controlling borders is vital for any sovereign country. That letter is from Brooke Blanchfield of Niagara Falls. The next letter is called bad precedent regarding the Niagara region decision to pay Gale legal fees baffling March 31. I believe members of regional council that voted in favor of Bob Gale's legal costs refuse refund, don't realize how this is setting a precedent for future integrity complaints. Now, any complaint filed will automatically involve legal counsel, and another expense for taxpayers. There seems to be no limit to what the cost threshold will be, because none exists. Revisit the this and follow the rules this time. This one is from Marty Mosley, Wosley, sorry, Saint Catharines, and the third letter is about budget follies. I'm still shaking my head after Christia Freeland delivered what she called a fiscally responsible federal budget, then ran through a laundry list of goodies that equated to more than $40, $40 million of red ink in deficit spending. She presented her typical socialist budget that will primarily subsidize lower income Canadians while ignoring the middle class who pay the lion's share of tax. The MDP reveled and endorsed this budget while puffing out their chests, taking credit for strong-arming the government on pet freebies, including a national dental care and GST rebate programs that ignore the middle class. Right on the heels of new carbon and alcohol taxes, this government is sink, sucking the life out of the entrepreneurial spirit it should be rewarding. Cre- creating a culture of entitlement and handouts will not serve us well in the long run. Small business is the engine of this country's economy, and again, it was either forgotten or ignored. Shame on her. From Alan Fournier in Beamsville. A couple of articles from the business section of the April 5th issue of the Welland Tribune. Privacy watchdog probing AI. The Federal Privacy Commissioner has launched an invitation in investigation, sorry, into the company behind ChatGPD, rather, an explosively popular artificial intelligence-powered chatbot. The Watchdog's office announced Tuesday it is initiating the investigation into U.S.-based company OpenAI because it received a complaint alleging the collection, use, and disclosure of personal invitation sorry, information without consent. Privacy Commissioner Philippe Dufresne said in a statement that artificial intelligence and its effects on privacy are a top priority and his office must stay ahead of fast moving technological advances. Dufresne's office said it won't release further details at this time, but its mandate is to publicly report on the results of investigation after they conclude. ChatGPT, GPT launched last November, uses written information already available on the internet to provide detailed conversational responses to queries posed by users and has been exploited to spit out everything from computer code to screenplays. Microsoft is using similar even more powerful technology from OpenAI to updated search engines and other products. OpenAI did not respond to a request for comment about the Privacy Commissioner's investigation. Prompted by the Canadian press for a response, the ChatGPT bot said, uh, uh, as an artificially intelligent language model, quote, I do not have access to the current responses of actions taken by the company running ChatGPT OpenAI regarding the investigation by the Office of Privacy Commissioner of Canada. The bot's response said it is common for companies under investigation to cooperate with regulatory bodies and provide information as required by law. Critics have raised concerns about plagiarism, and last week, Italy's own privacy watchdog ordered a ban while it investigates a suspected breach of European data rules. Germany's Commissioner for Data Protection recently told a German newspaper that the country may make the same move. The 27 countries that make up the European Union are negotiating a law That would classify artificial intelligence programs and tools based on their perceived level of risk. The risks and opportunities of artificial intelligence was also discussed during a Tuesday meeting between U.S. President Joe Biden and his Council of Science and Technology Advisors. The White House says Biden discussed the importance of protecting rights and safety to ensure responsible innovation and appropriate safeguards. CHAT-DPT is also the source uh, of a matter brought to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission. In a complaint made to the Consumer Protection Body and posted on its website, a tech ethics group says CHAT-GPT is a risk to privacy, public safety in its complaint filed tuesday the center for intelligence and digital policy said the open ai technology does not meet the trade commission's requirements that artificial intelligence be tra- transparent explainable fair and empirically sound while fostering accountability the complaint was filed shortly after a group of tech industry stars including elon musk and apple co-founder steve wozniak called in an open letter for a six-month pause to companies rolling out artificial technology pleads not guilty to 34 charges warned by judge first former U.S. president in history to be charged with a criminal offense. Donald Trump conspired to illegally influence the 2016 election through a series of hush money payments designed to silence claims that he feared would be harmful to his candidacy, New York prosecutors said on Tuesday in unsealing a historic 34-count felony indictment. The charges arose from a series of checks that Trump or his company wrote during the presidential campaign to his lawyer and fixer for his role in making a payment to a porn actor who alleged an extramarital sexual encounter with Trump years earlier. The payments were part of an unlawful plan to identify and suppress negative information that could have undermined his campaign for president, Assistant District Attorney Christopher Conroy said. They were made to protect his candidacy. The arraignment in Manhattan, though largely procedural in nature, was nonetheless the first time in history that a former president has faced a judge in his own criminal prosecution. The indictment amounts to a remarkable reckoning for Trump after years of investigation into his personal, business, and political dealings unfolding against the backdrop not only of his third campaign for the White House, but also against other investigations in Washington and Atlanta that might yet produce even more charges. Trump, stone-faced and silent as he entered and exited the Manhattan courtroom, said, not guilty, in a firm voice while facing a judge who warned him to refrain from rhetoric that could inflame or cause civil unrest. All told, the ever verbose Trump, who for weeks before Tuesday's arraignment had assailed the case against him as political persecution, uttered only about ten words though he did appear to glare for a period at Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. The next court date is December 4, though it is not clear if Trump will be required to appear. The broad contours of the case have long been known, but the indictment contains new details about a scheme that prosecutors say began months into his presidential candidacy in 2015 as his celebrity past collided with his presidential ambitions. It centers on payoffs to two women, including porn star Stormy Daniels, who said they had extramarital sexual encounters years earlier, as well as to a Trump Tower doorman who claimed to have a story about a child he alleged the former president had out of wedlock. It's not just about one payment. It's, it is 34 false statements and business records that were concealing criminal conduct, Bragg told reporters when asked how the three separate alleged payments were connected. All 34 counts against Trump are linked to a series of checks that were written to Trump's personal lawyer and problem solver, Michael Cohen, to reimburse him for his role in paying off Daniels. Those payments were made over 12 months and were recorded in various internal company documents as being for a legal retainer that prosecutors say didn't exist. Prosecutors allege that the first instance of Trump directing hush money payments came in the fall of 2015 when a former Trump Tower doorman was trying to sell information about an alleged out-of-wedlock child fathered by Trump. David Pecker, a Trump friend and the publisher of the National Enquirer, made a $30,000 U.S. payment to the doorman to acquire the exclusive rights to the story pursuant to an agreement to protect Trump during his campaign according to the indictment. The investigation also concerns six-figure payments made to Daniels and former Playboy model Karen McDougal. Both say they had sexual encounters with the married Trump years before he got into politics. Trump denies having sexual liaisons with either woman and has denied any wrongdoing involving payments. After his arrangement, Arraignment, Trump was returning to his Florida home, Mar a Lago, for a part time, sorry, prime time or um, address to campaign so, uh, supporters. At least 500 prominent supporters have been invited, with some of the most pro Trump congressional Republicans expected to attend. A conviction would not prevent Trump from running for or winning the presidency in 2024. And now for some sports news at the university level. First, and the headline is and the envelopes please. Brock announces short lists for athlete of the year honors, just like the Oscars. Brock University channeled its Academy of Motion Picture Arts in planning the 2022-23 Brock Badgers Award Gala that takes place Wednesday night. Like the organization that presents the Oscars, Brock promoted the ceremony by announcing who's in the running to go home with the top awards. Six student athletes, including two sisters, who won medals rowing together in a double and as part of an eight, have been nominated for Female Athlete of the Year. Five are up for the university's top prize for male athletes. Besides sophomore rowers, Isabella and Zoe Durkhek, wrestler Mia Friesen, St. Catharines Governor Simcoe Secondary School, basketball player Madeline Wernert, St. Catharines Eden, shot putter Emily Good, and volleyball player Sarah Rohr were also also made the short list for female athletes of the year. Niagara or, sorry, Michael Ivanov, Niagara Falls A and Meyer Track and Field, Taylor Miskosi, Welland, Notre Dame Soccer, Stephen Harris Rowing, Bobby Narwal Wrestling, and Jacob Roach Hockey are the nominees for the 2022-23 Male Athlete of the Year. After winning a gold medal in lightweight women's doubles and bronze in the eight, the Durchoch sisters from Stony Creek earned silver for host Brock in lightweight doubles at the Canadian University Rowing Championships in St. Catharines. Friesen dominated the women's fifty-six kilometer weight division at the U.S. Sports Championship in or the U Sports Championship in Edmonton, earning technical falls over Guelph and Alberta, a pin over Concordia, and a ten to nothing technical fall over Calgary for the gold medal. The second year psychology major was named Female Wrestler of the Year at Nationals. Weinert, in her sophomore season at at her hometown school, after transferring from McMaster University in Hamilton, led the Badgers in points with 17.6 per game rebounds, 9.2 assists, 3.2, and steals, 1.5. Rohr, a fourth-year physical education major from Milton, set career highs in assists with fo- 647 and Diggs with 140 in a season helping Brock defeat its OUA Women's Volleyball Championship. Goods' throw of 13.23 meters set a Brock record and gave the track and field program its first OUA gold medal. The fifth business major from debark. Ontario, east of Sault Ste. Marie, also earned provincial All-State honors in a year in which she served as a captain and as an assistant coach, helping other throwers on the team. In his rookie season, Ivanov, a business major, set school records for pole vault, 4.72 meters, as well as high jump, 2.05 meters, and won a bronze medal in men's vault at the OUA championship as Colitz earned second team all canadian and OUA west first all-star team honors playing goal for the men's soccer team the second year accounting major led his the OUA with eight shutouts and his 0.5 goals against average and 9.906 save percentage or third and fourth best, respectively, in the nation. Harris, a third-year economics major from Guelph, was named co-oarsman at nationals after rowing to gold in lightweight doubles and lightweight coxed four and finished third for the bronze in the eight. Narwhal was the class of men's 72-kilogram division, at both the OUA and U Sports Championships. Among the highlights for the four-year kinesiology major from Etobicoke was a 10-0 technical fall win over a previously undefeated foe from Calgary at the Nationals. 10 goals and 22 assists for 32 points in 26 regular season games gave Roach a second-year sports management student from Brooklyn, Brooklyn Ontario, a part of Whitby, the OUA West Division scoring title. Brock's 2021-22 Athletes of the Year were Cassidy Maplethorpe, women's hockey, and Harris, uh, men's rowing, Vince Longboard, men's field lacrosse, and Steve Delaney, women's Volleyball shared coaching honors. Teams of the year in 2021-22 were men's basketball and women's volleyball. National gold medalist Hannah Taylor in women's wrestling and Clayton Pye in men's wrestling were the school's athletes of the year in 2019-2020. Post-secondary sports was canceled the following year due to COVID-19. Next, an article on Ringette. It's a gold rush for Niagara Falls. Under 14, 16, and 19 daredevil teams take championship at tournament. With apologies to Kirkland Lake and Timmins in northern Ontario, the hotbed for gold in this province is Oshawa, at least as far as the Niagara Falls Daredevils Ringette Association is concerned. Any recent history, or oh, sorry, and recent history, doesn't dispute that claim. Four teams from Niagara Falls competed in the Ontario Ringette Southern Central Regional Tournament over the weekend in Oshawa, and all but one of them struck the mother load. Daredevil teams had opponents over the barrel in finals. In the under-14, 16, and 19 divisions, only the under-10 team didn't return home with a medal. But the BorderLink Daredevils nonetheless played a great series during the tournament. They ended the round-robin competition with a tie, and that is almost like a win. The team felt very positive about it, Association President Tony Royston said of a club that rebounded from losses to Mississauga, 43 and Oshawa, 6-3, by playing Burlington to a 4-4 draw. Second time was the char- charm for the Daredevils in the under-14 division. They avenged a 7-2 loss to Burlington in the opening game of pool play, with a 2-1 victory in the rematch to win the gold. The team, sponsored by Astro Transmission and MEZ Excavating, also defeated defeated Caledonia 7-2 and Hamilton 8-2 in the preliminary round. A representative from Niagara Falls also proved to be extremely quick learner in the number under-16 classification. Instead of letting... A 6-2 loss to the St. Catharines Comets in the final game of pool play throw them entirely off their game plan. The Daredevils came back to double St. Catharines 2-1 in the gold medal final. Sponsored by Astro Transmission and Thorold Mortgage Group, the under-16 Daredevils opened the three-day competition with wins over Burlington 8-2 and Hamilton 7-0. Competing in a five-team division, the under-19 Marbridge Construction Company Daredevils had to play an extra game before advancing to the final. They opened with an 8-3 defeat of Whitby and a comeback win, a comeback from a 3-2 setback to Sunderland by going undefeated the rest of the way, beating Barry 8-1, Sunderland 6-5 in the senior semis and Whitby, 4-2 to in the final. They played extremely well during their five games. They kept their composure and were able to bring the gold medal home against Whitby, Royston said. The tournament, which attracted teams from throughout Ontario, was the last of the st- season. The stakes are high. Everything is left on the ice, he said. Royston, who is in his eighth season as the Association's president, couldn't say enough about the winning weekend and the success that the Daredevils achieved on the ice against some of the top teams in Ontario. I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of all of our players and coaching staff, Royston said. I wouldn't change a thing. It's very exciting for me to see everyone doing so well. Youths interested in trying out the sport are invited to a free Come Try Ringette" season session, taking place 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, April 29, at the Gale Center in Niagara Falls. Royston said the co-ed organization is always looking for new players in the under-8, under-10, under twelve divisions. All you need is a smile and a desire to have fun without without skates and equipment for the younger players when they are starting out. There were smiles aplenty for the Niagara Falls Daredevil's last week in Oshawa. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features from the April 5th issue of the Welland Tribune. Your reader has been Bill McInerney. Thank you for listening.